Hey everyone, this is Jamie Bateman. Real quickly, I wanted to share with you something uh, that's been pivotal in the growth and success of my businesses, and that is my partnership with Haven Financial Services. Um, I've been working with Haven for over a year now. Christine Valdez was on episode 70 of this podcast. So go check that out if you want to hear her story. It was a fantastic personal story for sure. But Haven has been awesome. They provide me with monthly reports that are super clear and discernible. And it, that provides me with clarity and focus so that I can do what I do best, which is running my businesses, not preparing financial reports. Um, again, if you're in the market for a top-notch financial service company, uh, or if you just want to check one out, go to www.jamiebateman slash Haven and check out Haven Financial Services. Again, that's jamiebateman slash Haven. I uh, can't recommend them enough. Christine and her team have been fantastic. So I definitely recommend you check out Haven Financial Services at www.jamiebateman forward slash Haven. Let's get back to the show. Hey, everyone. Before I jump into the recap of today's awesome episode, I wanted to quickly share some feedback we just got about our podcast. Um, this person reached out through our website, labradorlending.com. They said that they listened to From Adversity to Abundance, as well as the Rich Dad podcast, the uh, Peter Schiff and Trends Journal podcasts. Um, so apparently we're in good company. Um, but this person also said, I'm retiring in less than four years. They're looking to find a way to generate additional income. But they said, in any case, I really enjoy your podcast. It keeps my spirits up during these last two years of craziness to hear how, how others have overcome adversity. So that's very inspiring for, for us, for me as the host. Um, and so I just want to thank Jan for sending in that feedback. And we love hearing from, from the listener out there. So feel free to reach out. I'm super thankful that we're able to impact even a handful of people in a positive way. But we love your input. And um Happy to take uh, take input on 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 the show. In today's episode, I got the chance to chat with Corey Peterson of Kahuna Investments. Corey runs a uh, a multifamily investing firm as well as now a property management company. He's been on um, Fox, CBS, ABC, and NBC affiliates, and he's got um, he's working on a third book. He's got a couple of books out already, so he's an author. And it's truly a rags to riches story that is is very relatable, um, and um, you know it's it's a it's a moving one for sure. Um, so we talk about kind of a couple of different points in in Corey's life where he had some some mental switches um, that happened, and you know one where he was a, he grew up poor and um, was then exposed to wealth and realized you know, what's possible. And so then that was a huge mental change for him. And then he started um, down the path of creating wealth through real estate. We also focus a good bit on, he tells the story of a, a real low point, which unfortunately a lot of people can relate to uh, with regard to being, being a workaholic and not being the best father. He wasn't around. You'll hear the you'll hear the story. I, I can't do it any justice. But what I love about it is is he did make that switch and he recognized where he was screwing up and he and he is very intentional now about his calendar and his time and planning vacations with his family and um, he shows you that it's very possible to create abundance both in the financial sp uh, aspect of things as well as the fam in your family life. 
And so those don't have to be mutually exclusive. Um, and so now he's got boundaries. Um, some might call it balance, but he's got, he re reprioritized things in his life. And I mean, he is um, very successful, you know, on the financial side of things, but you can tell that it's all about relationships. That's another key takeaway from this one is even within his business, he's, he's all about relationships and people. Um, so he, I, I this is a, a great episode and you're going to take a lot of, a lot of positive uh, impact from this one. Thanks everyone. Investors, have you ever felt frustrated by your loan servicer, experienced challenging communication, or the headache of tracking taxes and insurance? Meet BiFi, a loan servicing company founded by investors for investors. With an expert team and best-in-class vendors, BiFi will partner with you to service your loan from start to exit. Visit BiFiLS.com to see how you can get started today. That's B-I-F-I-L-S dot com. Welcome to the From Adversity to Abundance podcast. Are you an entrepreneur or aspiring entrepreneur? Then this show is for you. Each week, we bring you impactful stories of real people who have overcome painful human adversity to create a life of abundance. A life of abundance. You are not alone in your struggle. Join us and you will experience the power of true stories and gain practical knowledge from founders who have turned poverty into prosperity and weakness into wealth. This podcast will encourage you through your health, relationship, and financial challenges so you can become the hero in your quest for freedom. Take ownership of the life you are destined to live. Turn your adversity into abundance. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of the From Adversity to Abundance podcast. I am your host, Jamie Bateman, and today I'm thrilled to have with us Corey Peterson of Kahuna Investments. Uh, Corey, how are you doing today? Man, I'm doing well. Thank you, Jamie, for having me on. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. We really appreciate you taking the time. I know you... Uh, we're going to talk about time here, I think, uh, on this one, uh, but t time is obviously a very valuable resource for all of us. So we appreciate you taking taking your time to impart some wisdom on us. Um, tell us, you know, who you are today and, and what you're up to with your business and, um, you know, why, why we sh should listen to you. Well, um, I don't know why you should listen to me, but uh, <laughs> I think I, I know a couple of things about failing, um, adversity. Um, and um, really getting kicked in the nuts, um, and but able to survive and persevere. I think the entrepreneur creed is like the sooner you learn how to fail uh, and fail faster, the actually faster you'll succeed. So uh, today I am a multifamily operator. Uh, I think I own like $230 million worth of commercial real estate across the United States. Uh, we're vertically integrated. I mean, we have our own management company. We self-manage our our assets. We have got about, I don't know, 40 employees on that side of uh, the ball. And, um, but I love real estate. I love what it does. And, um, but it, it wasn't always perfect. Right. So, mm -hmm. um, but uh, truly I'm living my best life. I enjoy what I do. I speak, I teach, I coach and run a mastermind. So we kind of do it a little bit of all, but um, yeah. mainly um, my proudest thing that I am is it has nothing to do with real estate. Mm -hmm. Um, and it's more about, uh, my proudest achievement is I feel like I've been a full-time dad. 
That's right? awesome. And a, and a good husband to my wife. Most well, of the I know. Time. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I've got kids and, and a wife and uh, it's it can be, and I'm an entrepreneur, I'm a real estate investor. And, you know, I know a lot of our listeners can relate to what you're saying. So it can be challenging to do all of the above, at least well. Um, so I think we're going to, we're going to dive into that in a little bit here. Um, so what, just before we jump into your backstory, what does kind of a, what does a typical week look like for you? Uh, I start my day at nine. So I usually wake up at five, right? So, uh, I wake up at five, go to the gym at six. Um, I get off at four uh, ish, right? I work Monday through Thursday. I take Fridays off. Um, I calendar all my vacations. I calendar any of my kids events. Um, you know, basically I, we take three to four really good vacations a year. Um, sometimes a little bit more if we want to, but we just live, I just live by a calendar, right? I've learned that that's the most successful tool. I love working. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, mm-hmm. <laughs> I love what I do. I love coming into work. I mm-hmm. love my team. I love playing the game and I'll probably do it till I die. But, um, Truly, mm-hmm. at this point, I'm really uh, in the C-suite. I'm the CEO of my company. And my primary job is I, I control uh, people, culture, and um, uh, numbers. Okay. I kind of need to know my numbers for my business. Sure. But uh, but I find that my, my favorite thing to do is the culture piece, right? Mm. If I create award-winning culture within my company... Um, I retain some of the best and top and brightest talent. Mm-hmm. They want to stay for long periods of time and they do amazing work. That's usually not just one plus one. It's usually one plus five or one plus 10, right? It's a 10 X factor. Sure. That's awesome. Yeah. That's, I love to talk more about, you know, how you're able to, how you were able to set up this, this, you know, life that you're living and we're going to get into that. Um, so let's jump into your backstory. I know before we hit record, you shared a little bit with me as far as some of the, the pain that you've been through and, 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 you know, maybe some of the mistakes you've made. Um, let's jump into, to your backstory and some yeah. of the adversity you've gone through. Well, I would like to say tw- it's really almost, it's been almost 22 years ago. That's when my life changed forever. That's when the fork okay. in the road appeared. But uh, I was with my girlfriend, now my wife of 20 years, and my nice. mom was married to a man called Bruce. Um, I like to call call him Bruce Wayne. <laughs> he wasn't Batman, but <laughs> right. Jamie, he was loaded. He had lots of money. Okay. And so uh, we got this offer. My mom's like, hey, hon, son, uh, do you want to go to Hawaii? And I was like, uh, well, yeah, uh, <laughs> right. but I'm broke because I was a used car salesman. And uh, and I was we had this girlfriend and so I was like, are you paying, mom? And she said, yeah, I'll pay. Well, nice. um, we get to Hawaii and uh, and I really never really met Bruce. I, I knew she was married to him. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, Bruce had a house right on the beach. <clears throat> and I'm telling you, it was it was in Kauai, the Garden Island. I'm not sure if you know the islands, but Kauai, in my opinion, is the most beautiful. Okay. And um, it was on a cove. And so uh, if you're not a morning person, you will be when you get to Hawaii, right? <laughs> Shelly and I walked this cove and uh, we watched the sun come up. And it was like the scales of life fell off my eyes. Like I'd always wanted to be successful, but here I was a used car salesman, just not doing what I planned in life. And, um, but I wanted it really bad. I remember looking over at Bruce's house and I was like, 
dude, this guy is different because it was the first time to me that I saw real wealth. Like Bruce unequivocally had time and money. Like his phone wasn't ringing. He didn't have any cares. I was like, dude, I've never seen it like this. So yeah. I was like, what do you do? <clears throat> and then he said the magic words. Said he was in real estate. They owned apartments. <laughs> there right? you go. Now, I wish the story got better, but it doesn't. Bruce was a grumpy old man. Okay. Uh, my mom was really pretty, so don't judge my mom. She did get me to Hawaii. <laughs> um, but uh, but I left that island thinking that Bruce was the big kahuna. Like, sure. he had a lifestyle. Uh, so I read that Rich Dad, Poor Dad book, and all of a sudden I was like, dude, that's what it is. I want to do real estate. So um, I fell in love with, with real estate at that moment, and that's when I really got the download from the mothership. Like, this was my life. This is what I'm supposed to do. Mm-hmm. So when you turn that, so at that point, then I'm, you know, I go crazy. I'm starting to read all the books I can on real estate. I'm, I'm mm-hmm. just a book nerd. Finally mm-hmm. get to the point where I'm I'm ready to start my company. And I'm like, what do I name it? And all I could think about is I wanted to be the big kahuna. So I named my company called Kahuna <laughs> Investments. Yeah. Right. And so, the, but that's when the real work started happening. And at the at point, I was a wholesaler. I was uh, going to these RIA events, Real Estate Investors Associations, mm-hmm. and I would sit by smart people, the guys that had money, and I would figure out what they're doing and you know where they buy, what is their average rehab, and I would go and I'd find deals like that and wholesale them, and um, that was working pretty well. I was like, oh wow, I'm I'm now I'm in real estate, and this right. happened. I really went about full time, about 2009. And that's okay. when the Great Recession happened. So it was a great time to be in real estate. I'm finding these deals. Um, and so then uh, the next magic piece was someone gave me their actual money, right? I raised my first piece of private money. And I equate that moment to like going into a telephone booth as Clark Kent. And I spun around that thing and I was like Superman, right? <laughs> and so nice. this guy gave me $85,000 uh, to do a fix and flip. And once I got that, I was like, man, this is awesome. Because, you know, it takes money to make money. Sure. But it yeah. doesn't always take your money. That's Absolutely. what I learned, right? It can be other people's money. So once I understood that, I, um, I'm, I'm really not that smart, Jamie, but I am a fantastic copier. Like, I can copy, like, nobody's yeah. business. Yeah. So I looked around and said, there's got to be some other people that's raising money that, you know, and what do they use? What's their tools? What are they saying? What are they not saying? And I became, I found a a mentor. And um, next thing I know, I go, I'm raised, uh, within a year, I have about $3 million that I'm working. Now, this is going to lead to the next, the real setup. Mm -hmm. So here I am being the jack of all trades and to the world's eyes, right? I am now two years in, like really, I started my company in 2005, but 2009 is when I went full-time. By 2010, I'm jamming, bro. Like I'm doing seven or eight deals, fix and flips a month. I'm making twenty to $30,000 a flip. Wow. Um, my life looks, I'm looking pretty successful. I'm sure. feeling successful, right? Sure. But there's some things that are not so good going on. And these are the things that hopefully you, your audience will, will think about. Because at that moment in time, we're, to the world's view, I was great. 
But sure. dude, I, this phone was tied to my my ear. I could not escape it. I was a slave to it. And I was a slave to working at all times of the day, at all times of the night, Mondays through Sunday, right? Like I was I was just a workaholic. Mm-hmm. Got it. To make this almighty dollar. So now let me just jump in. You uh now we'll just uh figure out how old you are now. <laughs> so in 2010, approximately how old were you at this at that point? 30. Yeah, 30. Okay. Well, uh uh yeah, around 30. Got it. So you'd been a used car salesman then yeah. um in your I guess mid 30s, right? You switched yep. you were kind of gravitating and slowly moving into real estate and then you full-time um in 2009 2009 so um 29 30 you go full-time into real estate and then you start off wholesaling and, and flipping ran out of your own cash in order to scale which is a you know common common issue right you need access to capital start start seeing the the light bulb moments are happening where you're seeing you can use other people's money to, to scale your business um and but but you're a workaholic um and so you, from the outside, you look super successful, super busy. This guy's crushing it. This guy's a genius. I want this life of, you know, I want to be Corey Peterson. Maybe somebody was thinking on the outside, um, but tell us about what was going on in, in, in the family. And, and yeah, because um, inside the home life, I was a wreck, right? My wife's like, gosh, damn, can you not just get off the phone for a minute? Look at me. What about me? What about your kids? Right. And <clears throat> this was like a two-year period where you know you got to understand when you when you i grew up poor right and mm-hmm. i desperately wanted to get out of poor sure. and and that was my driving force and i thought that you know i was saying things like well i'm doing it for my kids sure i'm doing it for my family yeah that's a lie right i was doing it for me right um, but there was an expense, a price to pay for doing it the way that I was doing it because there was no no balance. I didn't mm-hmm. create any things that gave me uh, time freedom or, or really any freedom. It was just work, 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 go, 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 right? And sure. my only thought was this will not last, right? I've, I'm, I don't care. This will take care of us. But as I started to realize, like, so, but then something changed. So here's what happened. I, I'm. I'm, I was still active in my kid's life, but like, let's just say, you know, it's not, wasn't perfect dad. Right. Mm-hmm. And sure. you know, this is a, at a, a pivotal time in your kid's life where like, you know, around seven and eight, they're really wanting and needing you. Right. Sure. Yeah. Um, and you want to be their coaches and, and you, you know, that was, my dad was my coach. Right. So, um, you know, but there was a time where my son was playing soccer and he was like, hey, dad, you're going to be at my game on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And I look at him like, yeah, no problem, son. I'll be there. Right. And I was like, his game was like three o'clock. But in my mind, I was like, dude, Saturday, I got I got to go look at these three properties because I didn't look at these rehabs. and didn't touch base to see where they're at. So mm-hmm. I was like, in my mind, I'm like, okay, I'll just wake up early in the morning. I'll go all to these three properties and I'll get back in time for the game. Okay. Sure. Jamie. <laughs> You know, you go to the first property and there's problems like, oh, gosh, I got to run to Lowe's. I get stuff. I'm like looking at my clock. Oh, gosh, I feel like a little getting tight. Go to the second property. Now I'm getting like 
by the third property, I'm like, oh my God, I'm not, I'm going to miss. I get there. I show up to the uh, game at, mm-hmm. at the end of the game. And dude, my son comes off the field crying. And I'm just telling you, dude, if you've ever been broke as a, as a, as a parent, mm-hmm. uh, when you're, uh, this one's tough to tell, but like yeah. when you yeah, go no, I in, yeah. um, my, he's like, dad, you promised, you oh, promised. Man. And he just starts. And I, I remember taking his head and put it in my chest and he's like, <laughs> like wow. that horrible sure. cry as a, as a kid. And I'm just like, and I'm just taking him in and, and he's just sobbing because it meant so much and I wasn't there. Right. And I'm just telling you, Jamie, that moment broke me so true. Mm. Um, I knew I, <laughs> I was like, what in the hell am I doing? Sure. Right. Yeah. Like what is, because yeah. if it's horrible, right? Yeah, no. And, and I, and just, I'll just say, I appreciate you being vulnerable and, you know, uh, I mentioned before we hit record, it's, you know, it's unfortunately a lot of entrepreneurs and a lot of fathers can relate to this, this story, maybe not exactly how it played out in your case. And maybe, maybe there were times they should have actually felt <laughs> what you felt. But um, the point is that it's very easy you know, I own a small business, a few small businesses, and it's very easy to just, I I love it. Like you said, I love building a team. I love, you know, generating income. I love real estate investing. Um, doesn't mean I, I don't love my family, but it's very easy to get sucked into working all the time. And, um, and, and you do tell yourself you're doing it for them. And maybe, you know, there is some truth to that as well. I mean, um, but so... What did you do? I mean, it, it sounds like this well, really this really broke you. Um, oh yeah. So you know, it's funny. Uh, so kids are resilient. It's crazy. Um, sure. Even though I'm breaking his heart, he's like, goes home with me. Wants to go in my truck, right? <laughs> so the whole way ride home is like he's on this side, <laughs> <laughs> right? and I'm just I'm dying inside, man. I'm like, oh my god, my little boy, I'm breaking his. Just it hurt him bad, and so. I get home, drop him off, and my wife looks at me. She's like, "You got to fix this. You got to solve it. Like this is bullcrap, right? This yeah. is what you've been doing, right?" And so I, I get in my truck and I just start. I drive. I drive by myself, man. And I'm telling mm-hmm. you, when I'm in that truck by myself, mm-hmm. I am cussing myself out <laughs> so bad. What the f, you stupid sob. Like, mm-hmm. why would you do this? Why would you think you need to go look at these properties? Why couldn't you just go to the damn game, right? Sure. And I mean, just beating myself up. And finally, I, I surrender my heart to God, and I was, I asked, I asked God to forgive me, hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And I found solitude, and I find, I got into a place of quiet, right? And then that's what happened. Then it changed my life because hmm. I drove by um, the street that I go on. There's this apartment complex, and I've driven by it a million times, my friend. Mm-hmm. And I used to say, I wish I could own an apartment complex. Mm-hmm. And I drive by this apartment complex and I look at it empty, just broken, empty. And I go, How can I own an apartment complex? I framed it differently. You framed it differently, sure. Yep. My brain starts working. I flash back to Bruce. Yeah. 2004. Cash flow, time and yeah. money. 
He said yeah. apartments. He didn't say fix and flip. Right. 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 Absolutely. And yeah. I was like, oh my God, that's it. That's what I'm supposed to be doing. I flipped around. I did a U-turn. I went to Barnes and Nobles. I bought every yeah. book I could on multifamily investing. Nice. I found a mentor. Um, and now I'm living my cash flow life. Right. That's awesome. And yeah. you know, I did go and and um I did some specific things too, really. My takeaways from that was I started to time block, right? And I can't remember who I learned this from, but like you know, the first thing we did, and me and my wife was like, listen, we I don't want to be that person. Yeah. So let's figure it out, right? So the first thing we did is we booked our family vacations. Yeah. All right, you know, honey, when the, the kids do sports. Now, I, I I actually said I want to be their coach. So I gave them, I was like I'm going to start coaching. I want to I'm going to get involved. Like I it was I'm like I'm not going to be the the dad that did not. Sure. I can do it if I will just make time for it. Right. Right. You make it a priority. I mean, yep. you, exactly. Other things are going to take a backseat. So my daughter is playing soccer. You know, like so I coach my son's football. I coach my daughter's soccer. And yep. looking back, probably the best four to five six year span of my life that I'm the most proud of was being on that soccer field or that football field when the sun's going down and we have amazing sunsets in Arizona and being sure. there watching these young kids and seeing your kid and knowing that you're mm -hmm. the dad that's there. Yeah. One of the best feelings ever. So that's, I get to say that I was, even though I had a little spot where I screwed up royally, sure. I fixed it and I, and I became a full-time dad, like truly, yeah. <clears throat> the dad that I wanted to be to right. my kids, right? Sure. Because no, they don't I, trade in money, by the by the I, way. No right. kid ever worries about how much money dad makes. The only currency they trade in is time. That's a great point. That's a great point. I've not heard it put that way. Um, you know, so yeah, and for for the listener out there who may be maybe dabbling in real estate or, you know, under learning about different asset classes and things, I know a lot of a lot of newer real estate investors, in air quotes, get into wholesaling and and fix and flips um, because they think they're in. You you alluded to it earlier. You said you were in real estate, right? Yeah, you were in real estate, but you basically had a you just had a job. I mean, it's uh, fix and flips. You're, you're a not, trader. Yeah, exactly. With a D. <laughs> right. It, it's transactional, and that it's a lot of work. I don't personally think it's the worst way wholesaling or fix and flipping. I think it can be a great way to generate income. It's a know. great way. It's what you do with that income that I've learned now. That's what I teach is sure. that it's, it's taking that money and creative passive and passive income is the true way to have freedom. Absolutely. Right? And so that, that, um, that that's my mantra is like, do whatever you're doing in your, like I have a lot of business owners that, um, they have very successful businesses they run, you know, HVACs, what you name it. Um, and then they take their money that they make from their business and they invest it in a passive type yep. of either with me or they do their own investments as well absolutely. to create their their getaway car. Yeah, right. Absolutely. Uh, I'm in a mastermind group. It's called the Passive Income Mastermind. And you can debate all day long about, you know, we love to put things in to, to make them black and white. It's either passive or it's not. Well, there's really kind of a lot of gray in between, in my in my opinion. But I completely agree with you. 
generate income based you know from your business or your or your your w2 if that's you know if you if you can and then put that into passive income a passive income you know generating assets i love it um so you know talk us through kind of i i know from the point where you saw the apartment building and realized how and you changed your perspective you framed it differently you said how can i own that um talk us from that point up through today. I know that's a ton yeah. of growth and a lot of, you know, ups and yeah. downs and everything. But walk us through that from an entrepreneurial perspective. From the entrepreneurial side, it was like, okay, so that was my new task. Okay. So I knew that fix and flip wasn't the model for me. Right. Mm-hmm. And so then I so the again, what I've learned is I'm not that smart, but I'm an excellent, excellent copier. So I had to find a mentor for me. So I found uh, a guy named David Lindall. I read one of his books. Mm-hmm. I, I resonate with him. So I found him out. He's out of Boston, Massachusetts. Flew out there, um, gave him some money, became a friend, mm-hmm. and he taught me everything that I know, right? And so I, and then, you know, then you just got to do the work. So then I'm like, sure. okay, well, I got to find a deal. So, you know, uh, underwrote a lot of deals and a lot of them don't work, but then one did. And that one that did, I was able to take the money that I was already raising for the single family side mm-hmm. and transition it and say, hey, listen, we're just going to move into this this arena, sure. And so we raised, we bought our first deal for three point two million dollars, and we raised well one point four million dollars of uh, private money. Okay, right. Yeah. So that was my first deal, and and even that one went sideways, Jamie. Mm. Right. Okay. A little bit, right. So I made a couple of key mistakes. So I didn't actually find the deal. I had partners that people that I knew, mm. I kind of knew. We'll call it. I kind of knew. <laughs> they had a deal. And they didn't have all the money that they needed to do the deal. Mm-hmm. And I knew that I had money. Even though it wasn't my money, I knew I could command it. Sure. Right? Okay. So we struck a deal where it was supposed to be, you know, 75-25 split. I was going to own the 75. I was going to bring in my capital. Mm-hmm. And then, um, so we bought this deal for $3.2 million, right? So, but in when we closed, somehow mm-hmm. they changed the operating agreement. And I didn't catch it, nor my attorney. Where I did have a 75, 25% of the ownership of the income, but on mm-hmm. the voting rights, it was 33, 33, 33. Oh, wow. There was three guys, right? Me and two other guys. Yeah. All of a sudden, I didn't have control. Hmm. And the other two guys were knew each other very well, it sounds like, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Now, so that was, I'm like, okay, I just took all these people's money. I told them I had control. Now I don't have control. So what do you do? Well, I'm not proud of this moment. (laughs) I may have picked up the phone call and I did a, a, you know, you know, I'm coming and hell's coming with me kind of call. (laughs) I'm going to be on your front doorstep uh, tomorrow and we're going to figure it out. Right. Aaron Chapman drove over in his Jeep and uh, no, I'm just kidding. Yeah. So, uh, we were gonna go. At, I basically said, "Listen to this one guy." It's like your 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 po your pos. What you did was wrong. You know, you deceived it, sure. right? Sure. And uh, but I'm coming, and I'm we're going to come to an agreement on price, and I'm buying your shares. Okay. Right. Gotcha. Sure. Now I didn't have any extra money at this time, so but what I did have is I was resourceful, and I knew I had investors that would give me money, right? So it's more yeah. than what I expected, but so. Uh, for at, at the end of the day, it was 200k. Boom, 
buy that guy out, right? So I I, I paid him 200k. I had to call the guys like, hey, wire me 200k. <laughs> made the made the move, got the shares. I'm like, okay, now I'm back in control. Then my next problem happens. Uh, they had got us in a loan that was called uh, that's uh, uh, it was called a lockbox. It's a full lockbox, meaning all the money goes into the bank that's uh, account that's controlled by the bank, and the bank only will release the funds for expenses. Got it. Ooh. Well, I'd already promised my investors I'm paying them along the way. Sure. Uh oh, we don't <laughs> have money to pay investors. Yeah. What do I do? Call another guy. Hey, listen, I need <laughs> I need another couple hundred thousand dollars for this deal, right? I put it in, you know, my own bank account and and, and parlayed that money and it was paying from that. Um now so each of the steps of the way, I'm like, I'm learning like know thy operating agreement, know thy <laughs> sure. business partner. Um, those little words matter, right? All those things really truly matter. And then um, but the one thing that I did right, Jamie, is I really underwrote the heck out of that deal. I understood what that deal needed, and I understood what it could do. Nice. And so we ended up keeping it for five years, and um, we sold it for eight point eight million bucks. So we bought it for three point two, and sold it for eight point eight million bucks. Right. Wow. How much? How much so, did you put it put into it? Do you, uh, zero. Do you zero. My money. Right. <laughs> Just one point four million of someone else's. Right. So I yeah. ended up making a $2 million profit. Wow. That's awesome. Now, that just as far as how were you, you know, and I have some <laughs> guesses, but tell the listener out there how you were able to just pick up the phone and, and, you know, receive 200 K for example, how did you have those connections well, or how I had you... planted the seed when I was doing my fix and flip business, right? Those are a lot sure. of my investors that I had worked with that give me money time and, you know, and I give it back to them and give me money so I built a little bit of a relationship with them, right? Sure. Now, <clears throat> that is my skill set. So the one thing, the difference between what I do <clears throat> now and I think what the difference in the separator for the people that are in mm -hmm. multifamily mm -hmm. is the one skill set I mastered was how to raise capital. Mm -hmm. So I, instead of learning how to find a deal or how to be a great operator, which I've, I, we, we're both like, we we're, sure. are, have our own management company as well. But- the skill set that I hold high above all others mm -hmm. and that pays me the most money was learning how to raise capital. Now I didn't say this earlier, but like I was a used car salesman, but um, I had a good friend that said, uh, Hey man, you need to become a financial advisor. <laughs> and I was like, well, don't you need to have a degree to do that? He <laughs> goes, no, you just got to uh, kind of like be an entrepreneur. I was like, Oh, well I started this real estate company business Maybe I that was early like 2004, right? So I was like, maybe uh, I can use that. So I I did uh, trade up from the car salesman sure. to a financial advisor. It's yeah. still slimy either way. Okay? <laughs> yeah. Well, no, but I think it is. Uh, but that company a, taught me all about money. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. And I think that, and I've I've mentioned this on once or twice previously on other episodes, but I think that's a key piece for the listener out there as far as. You may not love the position that you're in right now. I'm not saying don't think about starting a business or don't think about switching careers, but do the best you can at the in the position you're in and learn what you can from that role. Put and, and you never know where it's where you're going to be able to apply it later because that's that's what happened to you, right? Jamie, Corey? I'm doing this right now in my my management company. So <clears throat> we just started this management company like two weeks ago. So nice, but. 
something that I learned almost 18 years ago when I was a restaurant manager, <laughs> right? Is they had, a, when I was managing a restaurant, they had what's called, when I first came on, I was the MIT, a manager in training. And mm-hmm. every location paid a little bit of money to the collective, to the home office for mm-hmm. the MIT program. Okay. Right? And that allowed them to have a training hub or training dollars mm-hmm. to keep people in the system. Because as they try to grow and operate or people come and go, you want to have people that are already knows your system, knows the process, knows that are already are bleeding your brand. Mm-hmm. Right. Sure. And so um, I'm doing that with my management company. So we have an mm-hmm. MIT program mm-hmm. where we are now teaching these property managers. We have them go sit with the maintenance and we have to go with the uh, you know community ambassador, then to the leasing, to the then to the property manager. We get them all certified. These are young college kids because we have college properties and they're deployable. Mm-hmm. So they're like, when I get a new location, they're ready. And then they're bleeding kahuna. They already know our mm-hmm. warrior cry. That's awesome. And so I get a much, much better product. So that's a great yeah. example of yeah. I didn't like being a property manager. Right, right. But I you learned some know. valuable lessons. Right. And and as you said already a couple of times, you're a very good copier, right? You you didn't actually come up with this idea that you're that you're implementing now. Um, you know, I'm not taking anything away from you, but I, I love it. It's like why why reinvent the wheel if you've seen it? If you've seen success before, which is really, really gets to the kind of the the point of this podcast is we're trying to learn from you. You've been through some hard times and and you've been you've reached abundance and we're not saying you don't have any more challenges in your life or anything like that. But why can't the listener learn from you, Corey Peterson, as to learn from what you learned about the, you know, the MIT program or, you know, and, and some keys to success there. So so. You know, I guess what what is your you already touched on it, but what does your business look like today? And maybe one or two kind of broad brush lessons learned as far as scaling a business. Um, what could you? Uh, uh, yeah. How could you help the listener there? I would tell you, um, hiring people as the CEO, um, or even if you're not the CEO, like you, but you know, a lot of times we put on a lot of hats. But as you start mm-hmm. to hire people, do not pass that off on anybody else, right? I believe now, and I have a hiring process again. They called the four C's, right? There's, uh, you, if you're watching in the video right now, you're going to see mm-hmm. my four C's hiring process. Um, but I stole that from another book called um, "A CEO Does Three Things" by Trey Taylor, right? <laughs> I, I really, when I tell you, like, I am not <laughs> smart, but I am excellent <laughs> copier. And so he has this thing where it's. Culture, capabilities, compensation, um, and commitment. Mm. And it's just a hiring process. And I follow it religiously. Mm -hmm. And like create your company. You have culture in your company, Mm -hmm. um, whether you know it or not. And so it's either you're going to take charge of that culture and Mm -hmm. breathe life into it, or it'll do its own thing. Mm -hmm. And so for me, the biggest component in any business is your people. So don't like take that lightly, embrace it, but breathe life into it. And when you do that, magic always seems to happen. Hmm. At least it has for me. That's fantastic advice. Um, So you still are heavily involved personally in in all the hiring inside your companies? We'll always be heavily, like I will always do it. It's my favorite part, right? (laughs) 
It really is because I get to tell about my like the story that I just told. I tell that on every first hire. Like we've nice. the culture piece is telling you learn you learn to so here's a great thing. So any great company has a story, their sure. the foundation story. Develop yours, right? So I can put mine in very articulate ways of mm-hmm. and I tell it like Bruce Wayne, right? I make some funnies mm-hmm. out of it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's such a compelling story that it was like people gravitate towards that. Sure. And then you put um some words and meanings behind your culture and what it really means. So for us, like we have we call it the like in the Bible, they have the beatitudes. Mm-hmm. Um, we call yeah. ours the the kind attitudes, which is a Hawaiian mm-hmm. word, right? And like be nice. the kind, um, you know, give them, um, spread aloha, right? Be ohana. The rock said in Lilo Stitch, your family, no one gets left behind. <laughs> and then yeah. there are our favorite ones, make it mo better. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I love it. It's awesome. It's really easy for people to, to kind of look at these companies, especially the bigger companies, you know, Apple or whatever, Microsoft, and yeah. and think that's not an that's not you know there are no people there it doesn't have a story it doesn't have a personality it doesn't have any problems you know or challenges it's just like a, a innate thing you know but uh, that's not true for the the big businesses and it's certainly not true for the small businesses and so yeah i love it it's it's there's such a human element to all of this which again gets to kind of the root of this show is just talking about the real challenges and the human element of of overcoming adversity um, and getting to abundance. So I've got a few kind of rapid fire questions here and then we'll talk, then we'll talk a little bit more about your business today. Um, What's one thing that people misunderstand about you? Uh, People that don't know me, they think that because I run a company that I'm all about money um, and it's the farthest thing from my life, right? People that really know me understand this, but Sometimes people look out because you have to, uh, our companies are, our business is supposed to make money. That's how we keep score. Sure. Um, and they think sometimes that um, uh, that's just the misconception. Now, my business entrepreneur, people understand this, right? So, but people in sure. the world, um, people that are working W-2s, well, they just don't understand us. Yeah. This is a rich, greedy guy that's all about yeah. Hoarding, hoarding money. But, Question that's, uh, go ahead. Well, I just say I give away more money than I know, <laughs> right? And, and I help raise money for yeah. projects that are real passion projects, right? So question that's, this isn't on my list, but, you know, because I hear this sometimes because you you were working really hard. You had a, you were a workaholic and you were, your family was suffering from it. Um and then you put in, you know, you you put in uh, boundaries, and you were intentional about your your calendar and blocking time for your priorities. You reprioritized. My question really is: Wouldn't that be easier? Let me put it this way: Isn't it easier now for you to set those boundaries and to be a better husband, better father, you know, than it was, you know, back in the day when you didn't have as much income, you didn't have as as much uh, wealth? Isn't it easier now? And wasn't it therefore required for you to work 80, 90 hours a week um, back then? What would you say to that? No, I don't think like once I made the change, right? So like, I think it's it's more of a mental change. It has nothing to do with where you're at financially or not financially, in my opinion, right? Um, You can start this off wherever you're at and just say, okay, 
I need to be present, right? So like, I, there's some things you can do, like little things. Like one of the first things I do with my phone is after six o'clock, mm-hmm. it goes on do not disturb. Unless you're one of my favorites, <laughs> um, you yeah. can't get a hold of me, right? It will not ring. You have to call twice in a row for it to actually ring mm-hmm. on my phone. That's the great thing about technology is sure. that you can utilize it that way, right? And so, um, and then really the time blocking, once you, if you will train yourself to live and die by your calendar. Mm -hmm. What I find is most people are very um, horrible at time management. Sure. And things they could, like, if you ever looked at someone going on a vacation, it's amazing what they get done in a week. Yeah. Everything magically happens and they get done, (laughs) right? Right, right. Because they prioritize it and there's no waste. Sure. We can do that in our business lives too, is you can actually accelerate everything you're doing in a day if you get really good and eliminate your waste or you're like, oh, let me just check Facebook. Let me right, right. scroll and do a lot of dumb stuff. Yeah. You can be way more efficient. Yeah. Extremely more efficient. That's a great point. Yeah. So, so you can do those at now, no matter yeah. where you're at in your business. So you think you would have gotten to where you are today, even if you'd started time blocking and being uh, more intentional? I only early. wish I would have had someone show me that way yeah. back then, right? Got because. It. I would have been living even a better lifestyle. Like, sure. um, I'm all about vision. You put your vision first. Yeah. Um, and then you build your life to work around it, your work life. And it has to fit in the cracks, right? So like if you put your family and the things you really believe are important, and then you put your business on top, it has to fit in the cracks. That's great. I love that. If you could go back and have, uh, if I'm sorry, if you could have coffee with any historical figure, who would you choose? Oh gosh! Um, honestly, this is—I I wouldn't even do it with any historical. Of, I would do it with my grandpa. Okay, tell tell <laughs> right? tell us why. Because uh, he was just a great man. He was just—I wish I could have. He was young when he died, right? He had Parkinson's, um, but he was just always there. I would just love to hear his stories a little bit more. He had a lot of wisdom. He he worked hard, but he he, he was a farmer. And um, farm life, there's something about farm life that I think is really um, inspiring to way the way he did it, right? He, you know, he didn't have a huge farm, but he had probably 80 head of cattle and some chickens and some um, hogs. And um, I don't know, I just, I felt like he was my, a great picture of a man that had, that lived his life with purpose. Love it. It's great. Um, I know you have a, a book you've written, at least one book. Um, we'll talk about it in a, in a second. If you had to write another book this year, what would it be about? Um, we're probably, we're actually working on it right now. Okay. <laughs> but, but this is this is a book about, uh, it's more of a how-to. It's really about the passive investor. So um, just writing to our avatars saying, hey, there's uh, there's an alternative to the stock market, right? Sure. And, um, you know, uh, that'll be my third book, right? But Okay. Uh, well, tell, tell but, us about the first two. The first one is uh, really, uh, it's called Why the Rich Get Rich was my first one. And um, that was really a, a book on apartments, but it wasn't, it was, it wasn't well written, I'll put it. It was my first mm-hmm. book, right? It's like just mm-hmm. going out there. The one I'm most proud of, which is my hero's journey, is the book, it's called Copy Your Way to Success, Standing on the Shoulder of Giants. And you've heard me say the word copy a lot. Um, yeah. I wrote every word of this book, right? The first <laughs> one I was, I'd help. I had someone I interviewed me. They took my words, they made it into a story. 
This one I wrote over a two-year period of time on the plane when I was flying, when I was my spare time. And it goes, it's the my hero's journey, right? It has that story of me of the pain spot, right? Mm-hmm. And it really in detail fully explains my rags to riches uh story. I think that's very inspiring. So that's why awesome. I like it the most because it's a very inspiring book of how I turned street smarts into uh, something that's made me a multimillionaire. It's fantastic. I, I got to get a hold I, of that. I'll give it to your. Uh, I'll give it to your audience. So there's a really easy way f- for them to get it. If they'll text the word book, B O O K, to four eight zero five hundred one one two seven, they'll just answer the prompts and we'll uh, we'll send them one for free. Four eight zero five hundred one one two seven. Did yep, I get that text right? Text the word book. Yep. Text book. the word. Got book. it. Awesome. What is one thing that you are one challenge in your business right now that you're struggling with or facing? There's always, you know, many, many challenges. What's one that comes to mind for you and your business right now? Um, People. It's always people. Like people is the most challenging and most fun, right? So um, Mm -hmm. I feel like um, how can I, how can I create a better culture? Um, How can I hire um, how can I onboard people faster to get mm-hmm. it right to sink it? So that's what we've been really working on is like, how do we, you know, what's the recipe? Do we bring them to the home office? How do we create that environment where we get the mold that we're looking for? Right. Sure. Um, and I think that'll always be a work in progress for us. Yeah. But, and we get it right really good, but it's still something that's always on my mind is how can I do it a little bit better? How can I improve upon the product and what do I need to be doing differently? Right. What, and, and a lot of times it's asking feedback, mm-hmm. right? Even the ones that say no, like if you didn't hire somebody, maybe mm-hmm. learning why they didn't want to go through your process, what was it? And then you ask, sometimes that's just the way it is, but sure. there's also some good exit feedback that mm-hmm. you can get. Or when people leave you exit feedback, really trying to pay attention to that. And saying, oh, boy, I didn't know that I was broken here. Sure. Right? Well, that's, yeah, it's, it can be humbling, but very <clears throat> valuable to to uh, gather that information to, I mean, and the only reason you're struggling, well, one reason you're you're struggling with it and you're focused on it, maybe you're not struggling with it, but you, there's always, always challenges, is because it's so important, like you said earlier. I mean, if it wasn't, if hiring and people weren't the the backbone of your business, I don't think you would have answered <laughs> that yeah, way. Yeah, no, no, because I say it. I mean, it's a challenge. I, I, I want to do it. Like right. I have this, like in my mind, there's perfection, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And there's a level that we're running, which is good. I mean, which I think it's not better per- than average. Sure. But I, I feel like there's a chasm between, like, I want to be award-winning, right? Mm-hmm. How do I create my, like? how do I create that? And I'm, I think I'm, I feel like we're getting closer, but I really, that's my desire mm-hmm. is to have all my people like, dude, we're kahuna. Who are you? Right. And um, I'm not, I don't feel like I'm there yet. I may not ever mm-hmm. get there, but I'm going to keep <laughs> trying to improve. Um, if you were given $10 million tomorrow, just somebody cut you a check for no, it's not an investment. It's just a, a gift. What we you do with it? <laughs> Invest in real estate. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Uh, yeah, there's nothing else. I mean, I would just invest in one in, in another deal, right? I'd probably give. Well, I say that I'd probably give a lot to charity, 
right? So we, um, I'm in a group called uh, the Chandler Compadres here in uh, Chandler, Arizona. Okay. Um, we raise a lot of money for uh, youth, for the Boys and Girls Club here to our local chapter. Um, I think last year we raised $1.5 million for local charities. And um, it's very important to me. And so uh, I would do that, probably give to my church. And then I take the rest of that money after I gave maybe 20% of it away um, and go go do some more real estate. Why not? Right. It's awesome. Yeah, I love it. So um, tell us about kind of the the multifamily space, you know, this year and what opportunities you have going on for uh, for the passive investor and just kind of speak to the the real estate and multifamily investing space uh, today. Yeah. So um, we're, we're on a pause, right? We're not buying anything right now. Um, probably not buying anything till maybe third quarter. Um, we still think the Fed's going to raise rates a little bit more. Um, I, I don't have to buy. I'm not in a spot where I need to buy. So I'm just like, I'm mm-hmm. just being patient, right? I'd like to see a little bit more of the market get, um, there's a lot of trading still going on. There's a lot of transactions going on, mm-hmm. um, but we're just not ready to participate yet. I think we're going to wait to the third quarter. We've got a development project that we can green light whenever we want to. Um, that's on land that we already own on, a you know, just adding to more units to some of one of our existing properties. We'll probably do that at the end of the year for sure. And hopefully find maybe one more deal. Like that would be our, our, our mantra for 2023. That's, I think mm-hmm. that's probably what we'll do this year. Mm-hmm. Um, and really more hell bent focused on operations as we just took over our management company mm making sure we really dial in our SOPs for that company and just getting mm-hmm. it like machined. So about that acquisition, so that so- sounds like that was an operational company that you that you took over, is that right? Well, we just created it. So we okay. uh, we fired our third-party management company because mm-hmm. they gotcha. suck. <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. I really probably, I would say, all property management that are fee-based, they suck because they're fee-based. We're not in alignment uh, on how it works, right? We're mm-hmm. profit and loss, and they mm-hmm. can care less. They just want their fees. Sure. And so we finally got to a, a size that it, it really makes sense to vertically integrate. But the question was, did we really want to do it? And um, we, we'd wrestled with that for almost a year. And finally, mm-hmm. we just said it's time, right? And um, I'm so glad that we did because I think that is the absolute right um, choice. And I know that it is now in my heart, uh, our product's going to be better. And really the story of even our company is it all makes sense. Right. And so now we have more people, right. To bring in. And that's why it's, it's, mm-hmm. that's part of what's part <laughs> well, of my challenge. Why. You said about my right, challenge right. is yep. I've got to get these, all these new people that we just took over that are at our properties. Mm-hmm. They were, they were employees of my old management company. Uh-huh. So now I've got to figure out how do I get them onboarded to my culture yep. and my way as soon as possible. Yeah, that's a that's, um, that's a lot of so we're flying a, them out. Like we just like uh-huh. we gotta we gotta get them integrated. We gotta go break bread with them. We got we gotta catch and sell the vision. Nice. So with regard to the more of the investment side, back to that, do you have you're not under any pressure for, you know, I don't know, with like floating rate debt or bridge loans or anything to any no, deals we, that are... we still have some of those. Yeah, we have, okay. we have, those are other issues, but like uh, <laughs> we have two properties that are in bridge debt that are under what's called uh soft lockbox control because the interest okay. rates went high. Um, these deals are actually profitable, but, uh, and we have what's called rate rate locks on them. So we're mm-hmm. getting paid a Delta for the rate lock, mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. the, uh, 
but the property is not counting that as income. So we've fallen below mm-hmm. our debt coverage ratio. So um, we still have two more loans to place to get rid of that. Mm-hmm. Um, we'll get that done in August um, because we had a prepayment penalty. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we yeah. paid off early, we're not willing to pay that. So we're sure. patient. Um, our investors are, are really good and savvy. They understand mm-hmm. like we, we, from the very beginning, when we tell our investors, it's a marathon. It's not a yeah. sprint. Sure. That's really and, good to set, set the expectations like that. Yeah. Um, and so, uh, what do you have open opportunities for investors now? Uh, we do, but you got to go through our process. Like we couldn't offer them to anybody that's uh, in, you know, that's listening. Um, but mm-hmm. gotcha. we're, we're regulated Understood. by the SEC. We're under regulated by the SECs. Um, yeah. You can go to our website, Kahuna Investments, um, sure. and get through our process. Um, but we really have, there's some rules that we've got to follow. We got to get to know you. We have to have what's called sure. an accredited investor questionnaire filled out. Once yeah. we do that, we can show you future deals. Got it. Understood. Makes a lot of sense. Um, what have I not asked you that you'd like to talk about? Um, man, you've you've done a really good job. This has <laughs> been a great little story. I would tell you this. Uh, the one thing that I believe, for anybody that's listening, right? Um, I believe the power of your mind is everything. Any great, if you really look at study, anybody that's had a very high level of achievement in anything, whether it's business, sports, um, you name it, something happened and something that these people do, and I would consider myself one of these people, um, to do it at a level that's pretty uh, uh, high level, Mm -hmm. there's a switch that we have. I don't think we have, we don't have buttons, we have switches. Switches are different Mm -hmm. than dials, right? Styles you can turn up and turn down. A switch is on or off. Mm -hmm. And for me, the ones that I see that that really go is they have a switch. When they once they decide to make up their minds on Mm -hmm. something, it is all consuming. That's how real estate is for me. Mm -hmm. It's a switch. I'm that passionate about it today as I was when I first started. I love the game, I love what it does. You know, Tom Brady, that was a switch guy, right? Mm-hmm. And, and listen, it's the hardest thing for that guy right now to see and watch and turn, have to turn it off. Absolutely. He doesn't want to turn it off. And so mm-hmm. what did he do? He's like, I'm going to become a broad broadcaster yeah. because yeah. I still want, I love it. I love the game of football. That's him, right? Yeah. I find people, when you find your passion, man, that's a switch. And when you will follow your passion, mm-hmm. but it starts with an idea. And listen, right, I believe right. if you believe it, you can achieve it. I love it. I mean, you mentioned a couple uh, of uh, examples in your life, instances where when you talk about switches, you, you know, you said when you went to Hawaii and you saw the example of Bruce, um, you know, maybe you didn't follow it exactly right away how you should have, but but it was a mental, big mental switch. Like My life what, changed forever. What's possible? You're seeing, whoa, that's possible. I can create abundance i can create wealth and then the second big one was was you know the soccer kind of what we'll refer to as the low point but it was sounds like you you had a major mental switch there as well and i just love that you took action and you know are are you perfect no but i mean you've put in place a you know you've been very intentional about calendaring you know your life basically and protecting your time and and the, the reason you're doing that is because you've prioritized 
you know, family and relationships um, with in, it, both inside and outside of your business. My over... business works to serve me, right? To serve my personal vision. And that's, that's, that's awesome. it. That's really good. Fantastic. Corey Peterson, this has been very good. I've really enjoyed this episode and I know the listener uh, will as well. Um, where can our listeners reach out to you online? Yeah. So uh, if they listen to podcasts, we have a podcast called Multifamily Legacy Podcast or uh, go to our website, kahunainvestments.com. Perfect. Awesome. Thank you so much, Corey. This has been great. Really appreciate your time. Thanks, brother. And to the listener out there, we also very much appreciate your time, which is your most valuable resource. Thanks for listening, everyone. Take care. Thank you for spending your most valuable resource with us, your time. If you like the show, please share it with your friends and fellow podcast listeners. One entrepreneur at a time, we can change the world. See you next time. Hey there, it's Jamie Bateman. Ever felt boxed in by life's challenges? Dive into my new book, From Adversity to Abundance, Inspiring Stories of Mental, Physical, and Financial Transformation, available now on Amazon. From a former bank robber's redemption to a young entrepreneur's victory over hurdles, these stories are not just inspiration. They're the roadmaps to your transformation. Whether for you or as a powerful gift to friends and family, especially those who might not tune into podcasts, this book is a beacon to a life of abundance. Ignite that inner fire and set your course to the life you've imagined. Purchase yours today on Amazon and light the path for someone you love.